The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, guys, I got some good news and mostly bad news. You want the good news? Good news is my microphone still works. The bad news is uh, my internet doesn't. So um, I've just blown about the last 80 minutes attempting in vain to get the wonderful Brandon Marcus on the podcast. And at some point we finally just said we may need to pull the plug on this. So happy Brandon Day to everyone on behalf of Brandon, who could not be on the show because my computer wouldn't allow it. Uh, And happy throw your computer through a window day to everyone who, like me, woke up today to a significant Windows update that has completely destroyed all the settings on your machine. Has anyone ever woken up to a computer asking you if you'd like to translate everything into Dutch? Because if you haven't, you might be soon. Oh, geez. Uh, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. My voice is shot because I've been screaming at my computer. <laughs> That's stupid. And I know you're not supposed to open a podcast by complaining because, damn it, doing a podcast is a joy. It really is. The, the annoying part is when something tries to keep you from doing said show. So thank you to Brandon for sitting around for a full hour while normally we'd be recording the podcast, and instead he just had to listen to me rant and rave into my computer. And hello to everybody out there in listener land. There are many of you that are listening actually this week for the first time, and this is what you're subject to on Wednesday. So hopefully you guys can laugh at my pain. I pray that this is a, a weird goofy joy you can get out of listening to me be annoyed with everything uh and stick with us here i promise there's good stuff coming up fantasy nba today is brought to you by hoop ball and hawaiian isles kona coffee company hawaiianisles.com is the website hawaiian i think you know how to spell that i s l e s hawaiianisles.com it is spectacular you can get it on Amazon as well if you want to save on shipping. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can get it delivered to your doorstep. $35 or more in purchases on Amazon, you can get it next day delivery. Or don't get $35. Get less than that, and it'll take two days to get to your house. Just search for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon, and it'll pop right up. Or go to HawaiianIsles.com to learn more about their different roasts. Non-flavored Kona roast, flavored Kona roast, K-cups uh, by size, by grind, Kona Dark, Decafs, Hawaiian Coffee Roasters. They got all the good stuff. Single bags, bundles, bestsellers, all available on their website. And you get to look at pictures of Hawaii while you're at it, which is, dare I say, a nice side bonus. This week, we've been breaking down the results of an industry mock draft. We're through the first 48 picks, and Brandon and I were set to do the next 24. But the poor sap uh, had to sit around and listen to me yell. So now you're stuck. You guys are now stuck sitting around and listening to me yell with obviously the option of turning the show off if you prefer, but please don't do that. Uh, And we're going to kick things off with number 49. 49 was Larry Markkinen, who we like in this general area. And I say we like because Brandon and I actually did manage to record about four players worth before things completely fell apart. Uh, I want to try to pick up with this and tie it into what we've been talking about so far. And and a lot of the themes that have been pushing through these breakdown episodes is how far are certain guys falling and then trying to sort of determine if you can wait on a guy or if you have to pounce on him. Markkinen is an interesting case study because this is right around his ADP. His ADP is number 46 or I shouldn't say number 46. His ADP is 46 on Yahoo this year. He was drafted at 49 in this one. And when he's on the floor, he's been quite solid. Last year, he was number 41 in the 52 games he played, which is better, I know, simple math, than 49. Very good foul shooter. Big man, guard, wing, whatever. He's a very good foul shooter at 87% last year. Doesn't do a ton on the defensive side, which is obviously a little bit of a knock against him. But big-time three-pointers, nice rebounding numbers, 
low turnovers. He does a lot of really good stuff in 9-cat, and he's going to play. He's going to be out there. That Chicago team has some depth. It's true. Thad Young will probably be pulling in most of the backup small forward and power forward minutes. But Lawyer Markkinen, Michael Carter Jr., those guys are in the, in the front court with most likely Otto Porter Jr., a lot of juniors. So Larry's going to play. He's going to get his 30-plus minutes a game. Being able to replicate what he did last year is not at all insane. And he's going to be a top 50 guy, provided he stays on the floor. So I'm good with it. I'm good with it. And I think he fits a certain build, too. This is a head-to-head draft that we're breaking down. Uh, and so I, I think if you need if you need three-pointers from a big-man spot, obviously that's a guy to fill it in. If you're building a team that's really good at foul shooting, you might as well just sort of supplement that. And this is a team that has, at this point, Cat, Miles Turner, Donovan Mitchell, and Buddy Heal. I don't know how badly you needed three-pointers, but here's the thing. It's a good free-throw shooting team, so you might as well continue to buttress that. Uh, he got a ton of threes there mixed in in his four and five picks. And the only thing I can look down at in this one and say there may be some issues is field goal percent for this team. But listen, a top 50 guy is a top 50 guy. Eric Bledsoe at number 50. I mean, this is much like Markkanen, a no-brainer in the fifth round. In the fifth round. Blair Bledsoe even more so, I would think, because he's shown now... Uh, his durability is actually better than previously expected. He's much better at point guard than he is at shooting guard, and Malcolm Brogdon's gone now. This is not one we need to spend a ton of time going over. He's a guy that's falling. He's not being drafted inside the top 50 almost anywhere. He's a guy that I think, as a lot of us, a lot of fantasy analysts are pointing out the fact that he's going crazy late. I'm curious to see if he does start to move up the draft board. But this is a guy that was going in third rounds and, you know, playing 78 games last year. He ended up with third round value, uh, fourth on a per game basis. I'm actually totally fine taking him in the fourth round if you have to. Let's just keep an eye on where he's going as we move our way through draft season. You know, three weeks from now, if he's going in the 40s instead of the, I mean, he's going in the late 50s in some drafts. If he moves like that, well, yeah, then you start to look and say, okay, maybe the value has dissipated, but there's a big buffer right now between where Bledsoe's going and where he could go to still be good as a value play. Great fifth-round pick. Great one. Julius Randle at number 51. This is not really a Dan Bespris guy. His ADP is 63 this year, but in a head-to-head format, I think you do have to give him a little bit of a bump. Last year, Randall finished with number 77 per game value in 9-cat because his turnovers are high. He's going to get you assists from the power forward center spot. He's going to score and rebound a lot. And his field goal percent is going to be pretty good. But his free throw number is going to be not great on a decent volume. And he doesn't do a ton on the defensive side, which I know we just sort of forgave Lowry Markinen for, but there are some pretty big differences there. Number one, Markinen. 1.7 turnovers last year. Julius Randle, 2.8. That's a big difference. Markinen, about one and a half three-pointers more. Rebounds, about the same. Scoring, pretty close to the same. It's actually kind of amazing that how much the three-pointers, the turnovers, and the free-throw percent tip the scales in one direction. Whereas with Randle, probably more scoring and better field goal percent, they didn't tip it quite as much. It just has to do with how big of an impact you're able to make in those particular categories. And the positives sort of outweigh the negatives a little more with one guy than the other. Uh, I think Julius Randle is going to be probably sitting around number 60, if I had to guess this year, on a per-game basis. I'm a little worried about what's going to happen in New York down the stretch. But as I mentioned, from a head-to-head perspective, you want guys that can pile up some of those er, uh, popcorn numbers the counting numbers, as they say. Uh, And you can find a way to overcome some of the other stuff. Because if you have a four-game week from Julius Randle, he could very easily get you 100, 40, 20 in the the popcorn numbers. 
on nice field goal percent, and you're a little bit less worried about the fact that, yeah, maybe his turnovers are a little bit high, because in head-to-head, the team that wins turnovers is usually just the one that has fewer games in a given week for all the teams that are kind of middle of the pack in that category. Number 52 is Derek Favors, who... This is, by the way, where the internet went out when Brandon and I were talking. So we'll, we'll pick up... I'll, I'm trying to fill in what we had both said on these first four guys, and then it's just going to be my analysis from this point on. Uh, Derek Favors is an interesting one because he was number 75. By the way, that's two slots ahead of Julius Randle last year on a per-game basis. He was better than him in totals as well, despite scoring just 12 points, 7.5 rebounds, but 2.1 defensive stats, 59% from the field, and only 1.1 turnover, basically, you can almost go at singular, per game. So he had three really good categories, field goal percent, blocks, turnovers. Steals were good for a center, rebounds okay. His minutes should go up. He was only playing 23 minutes a game last year. Even if you only boost that to 26, let's say he gets another 15% or so, something like that, that's a pretty big deal given the numbers he was putting up. Problem here with favors is that his ADP on Yahoo is in the 40s. There's no way I'm drafting this dude in the 40s. None. I know that if you look at what he did early on in his career, before all of the knee problems, and by the way, he did play 77 and 76 games each of the last two years, but his minutes have been dramatically decreased in those games. When he was playing 30 minutes a game, he was at 16 and 8 with almost three defensive stats per game. That was a top 30, 35 guy. He took more shots, higher volume, Free throw percent has always been in that 66 to 69 range. That number's not changing. I don't think he's going to play 30 minutes a game. I don't think that he has it in his body to play 30 minutes a game. So the days of top 35 Derek Favors are probably done. The days of top 60, top 50 Derek Favors, those are still within reach because it's much easier to move from 75 to 65 than it is from 45 to 35. The guys are just bunched closer together. It takes almost nothing Derek Favors could score about a point and a half more per game, and he could jump 10 spots at this point in the the rankings. It really takes very little. So I think that's quite attainable. You know, a 15% bump in everything would be a pretty good positive for him. Uh, And I love him if he falls into the 50s. He just hasn't been outside of this draft he fell into the 50s and then some of the other ones we broke down he was going in the 70s and 80s because that was before yahoo put out their numbers this is another one i'm very curious on if he starts to fall a little bit i would absolutely take him as a number two center in the 50s you'd have great centers but there are a lot of them right now if you miss out on Derek favors look into the 60s and there's a bunch more and we'll get there Victor Oladipo went at 53. I'm not touching him because he's not expected back until December, and that's if everything stays on target. And then there's going to be adjustment time. Yes, in a head-to-head league, you can say, well, you just stay afloat for two months, and then you get a potential second or third round guy midway through your year. That's great, but if you're losing 30 games, if he misses 30 games to start the year, there's no way on a total basis he can get to where he needs to be. And you're paying a fifth-round pick, which is... Then there are other guys I see on the board coming up here in the next 15 spots that I think could be third-round values without having to stash for two months. So this is too early for me on Oladipo. I can't do it yet. Zach Levine at 54, I'm fine with that one. Uh, He was, where was he? He was in the 60s, I believe. Yeah, 63 last year. Sat out a bunch of games. I think Chicago tries to make the playoffs. His numbers... Don't really have too many places to go with down. That's the only problem I see with him is that he did a lot of the heavy lifting last year. And when everybody was on the floor together, he still got a lot of late shots, but he became a little bit more volumey and a little bit less fun stat-y. I love him in certain formats more than others. I think he'll be better next to Tomas Sadoransky as opposed to Chris Dunn, who was trying to orchestrate 
Sato can play a little bit better off the ball. Um, this is fine for Levine. Ah, maybe a little earlier than I'd go on him, but but yeah, I mean, at this point, you're sort of whatever. Chris Middleton at 55, totally fine with that one as well. Uh, similar year. He and Zach Levine were actually 63 and 64 in per-game value last season. Difference, of course, Middleton played 14 additional games. Uh, better rebounder than Levine. Didn't block as many shots. Both guys good foul shooters. Middleton lower uh, turnover number. Both guys okay in field goal percent. Middleton had a really weird stretch where his field goal number bottomed out midway through last year. I have no problem with either of these guys going in the 50s. If they fall, I take them. If they don't, I probably pass. But whatever. I mean, I'd rather have these guys than guys that have a, a lower floor. Uh, and that one, actually, one of those guys is Terry Rozier. He comes up as the next one at 56. If his field goal percent improves, he could be an awesome point guard. I'm just not willing to take that chance. Now, he shot in the 30s last year throughout his career. He's been a 30-something percent guy. I don't, I mean, maybe more consistent playing time helps that number creep up a little bit, but high volume 30-something percent is a soul-crushing number. I'm just not willing to risk it. Danilo Gallinari at 57, he's a dangerous man to own in a head-to-head league, but at this point, I'm willing to take the risk because Gallo was freaking awesome last year. He was number 28 on a per-game basis, played basically what's been at least his more recent career, a high of 68 games, and he's going to a team that's going to need him to score a whole bunch in OKC. Uh, he could very easily be a top 30 guy while he's on the floor, and so at this point, which is near 60, you kind of have to take that shot in a lot of scenarios. In this particular scenario, I'm not sure that I would, only because the next guy on the board is Tobias Harris, who was number 35 last year and played in all 82 games. So that those extra 14 games over Gallo, they were separated by seven slots on a per-game basis, so Gallo was the more valuable player when he was on the floor. That, that high-volume free-throw number is just outstanding. Uh, I'd rather have the guy, especially in head-to-head, that you know is going to be out on the floor. You, you just uh, Taking chances with injury in a head-to-head format is a little bit tougher to stomach. I don't think Tobias Harris ever falls this far. Someone, this whole draft just forgot about him. He was first on my queue at this point, and I thought, wow, he might actually get to me at 59, and then he went at 58. But I'm not upset because I took Otto Porter at 59, who I think is quietly going to be one of the best picks in the draft. And I got to be, I have to stay a little bit quiet about it. So the, you know, couple thousand of you guys that are listening to this thing, you guys know. But don't tell anybody else. This is like, I, I can't, as, as insane as the Eric Bledsoe falling into the 50s thing is to me, the fact that Otto Porter is falling to 60 in a lot of places is even crazier. He was number 39 when he was on the floor last year. And I know he goes through these hip injury things, but he has, he basically has carte blanche in Chicago to go do stuff on offense. He was inside... I mean, he was outstanding. He was a top 30 guy in Chicago last year. Uh, his points are going to be up. Everything's just going to be up. Steals, blocks, great percentages, no turnovers. He's your prototypical nine-cat guy who does it by being okay to slightly better than okay in almost everything and only not great in, like, one category, and that's scoring, basically, which could come up in Chicago. I absolutely adore this pick, and yes, of course, it happens to be mine, but man alive, if anybody takes him, I mean, if he continues to fall past 55, that's like, that's the easiest pick. I just, oh, I cannot, I can't wrap my head around this one. I'm I'm so floored at, that's crazy. It's crazy. He was number 20 the previous year, not this most recent season. He was number 20. At 15, six and a half, two, two combined defensive stats. His field goal percent went down last year, but that could easily come back again. He was number 20 two years ago. He was number 22 the year before that. This is a guy that has a history of being a top 25 guy, and he's getting drafted near 60. 
on a team that's actually going to let him touch the ball. Take John Wall and Bradley Beal out of his way and put Zach Levine, Lowry Markinen in his way? Those guys are not going to be as ball dominant. They'll be sort of ball dominant, but it won't be the way it was in Washington. There's nowhere to go but up for this dude, and he is just falling, and I can't figure that one out, and I hope he stays down that low. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 60. This is a guy where, and you know, if you're on the turn and you're targeting your guy, you go and you target him, but this is much earlier than he's been going. His ADP is 78, so this is a situation where a team just didn't want to take the chance that he wouldn't make it back to them at 84. He might have. Uh, and I would, I'm not willing to make this risk. I'm not willing to, to make this reach basically two rounds ahead. If there's a, okay, I think there's a 50-50 shot, he would have made it back to 84. 50-50 shot. And, and, and for a guy like that where you're, you're banking on a little bit of upside, I think I'd probably take the chance that he doesn't get back to me. If only because there are some really safe and solid guys still available. And that was the fifth round. I was talking about how there are a bunch of centers coming up in the sixth round and, uh, and just in terms of guys where you really, you sort of almost don't have to reach at all. They're just, they're just there. I'm spying a few of them very quickly here. Before we dive into round six, quick reminder, folks, take your betting money to our buddies at mybookie.ag. By the way, if you type in mybookie.com, you'll still end up in the right place. It'll forward, but the actual website is mybookie.ag, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. Join now, set up your new account, use promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, that's the promo code. You type in that word, that word being the word TODAY, and mybookie will double your first deposit up to 1000 bucks. Match bonus. Match bonus. You got to do it. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I wouldn't be telling you guys to do it if I didn't trust them. They are the best. They have invested heavily in podcast folk, such as myself and other sports outlets, because here's the thing. This is something I've always believed in, and I think my bookie does as well. You get the product right, and then you tell people about it. It always frustrated me when I worked in minor league baseball, Uh, how many organizations wanted to tell people about the product before they had it right. When people come through your gates at a a clunky little minor league baseball stadium where I worked, you wanted to make sure they had a good time. If you had a crummy product, but you got them in, they wouldn't come back. You want them to enjoy themselves once they're there. So when you finally do get them through the gate, they'll come back by themselves. And I think my bookie believes in that same philosophy, which is get the product right. Good customer service, good player perks, cool things you can do like uh, fantasy betting on the NBA or on uh, on NFL, excuse me. They'll probably have it on the NBA as well. You can bet on NFL games post kickoff, make quarter wagers, second half wagers, good customer service. All of that stuff is important, especially with something like this, because your money is floating around on the internet and you want to know where it is and you want to know that you can get access to it. My bookie, that's the key. It's fast, it's easy, they pay when you win. Here's their tagline, and I love it. And I'll say it at the end here. Where you're betting is just important as who you're betting on. You want to trust that after you make that winning wager, the place you are betting has your back. They do. MyBookie.ag. Use promo code today. Get that match deposit doubled. Get that deposit matched bonus. I can get this right. MyBookie. Digging it. Round six. Here's why I'm not reaching. Even on the turn. You can turn, you can reach a little bit on the turn because you got to get your guy. They're not getting back to you, but... Uh, this same team takes Brooke Lopez at 61. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big fan. You guys may have forgotten, but Brooke Lopez was number 41 last year. Excuse me, I think he was actually better than that. Am I looking at the wrong stat? Yeah, 32 last year. He scored 12 points per game. 
and he was number 32. These are the guys to me that, and this is why it's so easy to win when you don't care that much about points, because there's incredible value in other categories. Brooke Lopez, one turnover a game, 84% at the foul line, 54% from the field despite making 2.33s a game, 2.8 combined defensive stats, including 2.2 of those in the blocks department. He had a brilliant year. He's on the same team with the same personnel around him. There's no reason to think that this changes almost at all. What's the worst case scenario? He drops by a round? Easy pick at 61. Love it. I took DeMar DeRozan at 62, and I'm not happy about it. And I have no reason to be unhappy about it because he's literally number 44 every single year. He's just not at all the kind of guy I usually draft. And that's a stupid reason because he had a good season last year. He averaged 21, 6, and 6 with 1.1 steals, half a block. He got half a block a game last year, 48% from the field because he abandoned the three-pointer, 83% at the foul line on high volume. He's actually usually a little bit better than that, but that's always a thing that helps with him. Like, there's no reason to be upset with getting DeMar DeRozan at 62. You know he's going to be around better than that. He's just boring. He's a boring guy that... I love boring guys. He's a boring guy that's so boring that he's even boring to me. But as I look down the list of guys behind DeMar DeRozan, I don't know that there's anybody else I would have taken here. Maybe one, two guys over the next couple rounds, I think, well, yeah, maybe that would have been a little bit more interesting. And he's falling. He's falling too. Nobody wants these guys. They're just snooze fests. This is pretty low for him, though. Uh, DeRozan's generally going in the, in the late 40s, 50s. But I think this is an indicator that he will fall. I mean, this is an industry mock. These are industry pros. These are the best of the best of the best. And they're going to be influencing what other people do. Talked about this extensively on Monday's podcast. If you want to go back and give that one a listen. This is, these are the trendsetters of the fantasy landscape. I'm not giving any names out uh, because I know that this this is being broken down in other formats at other locations as well, and so I don't want to give anything away on that front. But suffice it to say that these are some incredibly sharp human beings who are going to be giving their takes out on all of these guys, and that's going to influence where people get drafted. So if everybody's saying DeMar DeRozan, he's boring, he'll fall. Jamal Murray at 63, I'm fine with this one. Uh, I'm a little... My fear with Jamal was that he would end up going super early. He was number 79 last year because his field goal percent cratered. If that comes back, he could climb pretty fast. Uh, Not a guy that I'm drafting in many formats, but I have no problem with it. This is not going to be far, most likely, from where he ends up. I think last year was about as bad as we're going to get for him on the field goal percent thing. So even a small step forward, and, and he'll be somewhere in the 60s. Thomas Bryant at 64. I'm good with this. I'm good with that one. Um, he's a guy that's going pretty early in a lot of drafts. And I think this is a situation, too, where you know you saw pros all trying to milk whatever they could get out of him. He's been going in the mid-50s. And so everybody was like, I wonder how far I can let this dude drop. I wonder how far I can let this dude drop. This is why, by the way, I love analyzing different types of mocks, industry mocks, regular Joe mocks, blends between the two. Uh, really cool to see where these guys fall. Like in, a, in an industry mock, I think you're seeing a lot of folks just seeing how far they can let a guy go before he has to get snatched up. And in the 60s, sixth round for Thomas Bryan, I'm okay with that. Fifth round, um... I'd lean another way, but not by much. You know, it depends what part of that fifth round. Karis Levert at 65. Uh, I'm, I'm lower on Karis than other folks are, uh, mostly because he was not good in either percentage category. And you guys know I care more about percents than the average bear, which goes against the grain a little bit in a head-to-head format. Head-to-head, a lot of teams just sort of ignore percentages and assume that they will even out, and a lot of times they do. 
as I was saying with turnovers, percents are kind of the same thing. Slightly different way of getting there. In head-to-head, punting turnovers is a pretty reasonable thing to do. I don't punt very often, but if you were going to head-to-head, punting turnovers is t- makes a ton of sense. Because as I mentioned, there's going to be one or two teams that are awful at turnovers, one or two teams that are really good, and then eight to ten teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack, all mushed up together. And the team that, as I said earlier in this show, the team that wins turnovers when those teams battle every week is probably the one with fewer games, with a couple minor exceptions. You can be a team that punts turnovers, and you can still happen upon a weekly win if you have a low games total week. So that's not really my main concern. And certainly last year for Laverde, only had 1.7 turnovers, so that wasn't really his thing. The other category worth discussing here, the two percentages. Lavert, 69% at the foul line, uh, 43% from the field last year. And over his career, it's 71 and 43 and a half. So it's not that far off of his three-year career numbers. The popcorn stuff could be really good. He's going to play a lot. He's going to be behind Kyrie in the pecking order. But, you know, we got off to a really nice start last year. You look at some of the popcorn numbers at the beginning of last season, and Lavert looked like he was ready to bust loose. 27, 28 points his first two games of the year. Uh, actually made some free throws in those games, hit his shots in those games. He was shooting, by the way, about 65 to 70% after three games last season. You knew that wasn't going to hold. But that's a number that maybe it comes up a little bit. If that number comes up, things change dramatically for him. He's going to get you some steals. Eh, not going to block many shots. That's okay. That's not what you're expecting out of him. Uh, 1.3 steals if he plays more minutes this season is within reach. 16, I don't know, 16, four and a half and four and a half, 16, five and four, something like that. That's a pretty good set of numbers. But for me, to get him into that next group up, which is where he's getting drafted now, his ADP, by the way, is 89, so I don't know that he needed to go this early regardless. He needs to fix completely one of his two percentages, and the field goal percent is closer because we've actually seen him do it for stretches than the free throw percent. This is too early for me on him. I think he would have fallen to this same team if they waited till pick 80. Uh, but they didn't want to because we're getting so close now to no man's land where you sort of go get your guy. Josh Richardson at 66. Uh, he's going, I, th- and I said this last week when we broke down a draft where he went in a similar spot. I thought he would go later. His ADP is 71. He's getting drafted really close to that. I think that's where he ends up this year. Now, he was in that range last season where he was the man in Miami. He was number 70. He's not going to shoot very much this season. He's going to be getting his three-pointers sort of in between everything else. What we need out of Josh is for his defensive stats to come back up. From 1.6 combined, we need it over two. Because there's the assists, the rebounds, the points, all of that stuff is probably going to stay or come down. Three-pointers probably holds. Foul Number of foul shots probably comes down. And he's a fourth. he's a fourth scoring option on that team. He was number one on his team last year. I mean, unless you, unless you include Deion Waiters. Uh, if, the, if the defensive stats come back, then we're in business. And I thought that they would a little bit. I also thought he would get drafted in the 80s. So imagine my surprise when he's going around to a round and a half earlier than that. I'm not willing to spend on Josh Richardson. I thought he would be a value, and he just hasn't turned out to be. You're taking him where he probably ends up. CJ McCollum at 67, it's funny that I have a similar take or I have a different take on a similar potential outcome. CJ McCollum was number 60, so he's about a round ahead of Richardson last year, and he has nowhere to go. He can't go up, he can't go down. This is who he is. He falls into the DeMar DeRozan category for me. He's really not interesting at all. But if he's still there in the mid-60s, you have to take him because he's only going to be a little bit better than that, and you've got a perfectly safe sixth-round pick. I think he actually blends well if you've taken a chance in, say, the third or fourth round. 
which this team did. They took Chris Paul in the third. I love Chris Paul. But if he doesn't pan out, if he gets hurt, at least you've got a really safe sixth rounder to sort of cover your butt a little bit. If you have really safe picks the first four or five rounds, I think by the sixth you can start to do a little bit of reaching. You can go down the chart, try to get somebody a little bit more exciting. But I love CJ McCollum at 67. This is totally, this is totally solid. Lonzo Ball at 68, I don't trust him. I don't trust him, and I don't trust him to see enough minutes and, and opportunity on a loaded team. And in speaking to uh, Mike Pelache, our, our Pelicans expert here at Hoop Ball, he's also a little bit worried about how much, how that fit works. Because you've got, effectively, one too many guys. If Drew Holiday starts at two... That makes Lonzo the one, and that pushes J.J. Redick to the bench, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you want him around the guys that can help create for him. If you start Drew Holiday at the one, J.J. Redick starts at the two, and Lonzo's coming off the bench, which might be good when he's on the floor, but it also will dip into his minutes. And then they've also got Brandon Ingram to mix in. He'll be playing mostly the three, I would think. You can't go bigger than that. Does he play any two? You've got Zion to figure out. You've got Derek Favors to figure out. I'm a little bit worried about what it all... Ha- and for Lonzo, the injury thing is real at this point until he proves otherwise. So uh, this one scares me. This one scares me a little bit. Wendell Carter Jr. at 69. As a pick, I like it. As a spot, I wish it could have been one round later. His ADP has been 82 I think he probably would have made it back at the next spot. But again... You're basically at no man's land here. So you take the guy that you think has the lowest chance to make it back to you. Uh, More so at this part, whereas in the earlier rounds, you're taking the guy that you think has fallen too far. Such guys don't really exist once you get past 75. Guys just aren't really falling at that point. You're just taking the guy. You pick your guy, you take him. Because in your mind, you're like, he has the area to move. Jonathan Isaac at 70, sort of a similar situation. Would he have made it back at the next one? Maybe, but this if this is your guy, you go and you get him. I'm probably higher on Wendell than I am on Isaac this year, if I had to pick between the two. Demata Sabonis at 71. This is a safe pick, but not an exciting one. I think I'd go with a little bit more upside if possible, and I think these next couple of guys are some of my favorites, although we'll... <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about both of them today, I don't think. Um, Malcolm Brogdon at 72. Really like this pick. He's he's going to have a lot of opportunity, especially at the beginning of the year in Indiana. His ADP is 67, so you're getting him a little bit past where he's been going. And you guys know, if I'm going to complain about guys that have bad percentages, I got a lavish praise on those that don't. Malcolm Brogdon was a 50-40-90 guy last year, which is amazing. He doesn't do much defensively, which is a, a, a kick to the groin. But again, we're now at the end of the sixth round. We're in the 70s. Guys are not going to be good at every category at this point in your draft. Brogdon's going to get... I think more than his 11.5 shots per game that he took with Milwaukee last year because the guys he's behind in Indiana are just not as prolific. Brooke Lopez probably taking about as many shots as Miles Turner. But Giannis and Chris Middleton demand way more volume than whoever the hell he's playing with. Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren, Demonis Sabonis. And then when Oladipo comes back, yeah, you get pushed down the pecking order a little bit, but uh, this could be a really nice season for him. I think he's going to be asked to do a little bit more in terms of ball handling, so the assists should come up. Uh, really, an, I'm a fan of this one. I'm a fan of this pick. And he, he's not exciting. He was number 67 last year, so you know the ADP matches the end result. But again, if you see his minutes go from 28.5 to 30, or 30.5, just call it a 10% bump, even if his you know, per minute doesn't change at all. 10% gets him to 17 points, 5 rebounds, 3.5 assists. That's a round. That's a round of value. And, you know, heaven help us, 
if the per minute stuff comes up, if the assists come up, you're talking about a guy that could jump two rounds over that. Quick recap of the two rounds we covered during today's podcast. My favorites generally, again, are the guys getting passed over. Because I think people in their mind look at a guy and say, yeah, but with a lot of these guys. Who are the yeah, but guys for people drafting? Bledsoe. Yeah, but he wasn't as good last year. Tobias Harris. Yeah, but they brought in Al Horford or something. Yeah, Otto Porter. Yeah, but he didn't play all of his games. Brooke Lopez. Yeah, but he didn't score much. DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, but he doesn't shoot the three anymore. CJ McCollum. Yeah, but I guess he's just a sick number 60 guy now. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, but he doesn't get into defensive stats. I think people are talking themselves out of these guys. And I love it. I love that result. Because you could very easily take the opposite tack. I had a conversation, and I want to I want to talk about this conversation I had on Twitter here in a moment. Before that, I want to talk about how you talk yourself into these guys. Fantasy drafting is all about whether you talk yourself into or out of a player. These same guys, you could make very boring arguments to talk yourself into them. Eric Bledsoe. Let's start with him. There's a lot of yeah, but going on. Yeah, but he wasn't the top 30 guy that we were hoping for last year. He was number 43. Let me talk you into him. He was number 43. He was far superior when he was playing point guard, meaning when Malcolm Brogdon was hurt than he was at shooting guard. He's a little bit streaky. His free throw percent was lower than his career mark and should regress positively. Very good field goal percent for a point guard. High steals number for a point guard. Blocks half a shot a game. Uh, And the other stuff should very easily stay close to what it was. Last year was almost a bottoming out point for him, and he was still number 43. If you're getting this guy at 50, sure, you look at it and you're like, yeah, but he was number 43 last year. That's only seven slots lower. You got to look at what could improve. What if the assists go from five and a half to six? What if he takes one extra shot per game? What if the free throw percent regresses back up to 77 or 78? That's enough to get him from 43 to high 30s. Easy. These are the things you need to talk yourself into or out of as you're working on your fantasy draft. Now, quickly, uh, before we wrap things up, we'll keep this pod a tiny bit shorter today, maybe by five minutes or so. I was having a conversation with with someone on Twitter yesterday, and I thought it was really interesting because it was uh, well thought out, reasonable, and contained within the (laughs) the usual uh, really low character count that they allow and that was I believe that it was on this topic and the topic was basically what is a sleeper remember we discussed that on yesterday's podcast and guys like Eric Bledsoe and this, this person that I was speaking with said I've been too I've been burned too many times on high upside guys. Or last year I think he said he was burned too many times on high upside guys. And that something clicked in my head when I saw that sentence and I thought, "Well, yeah. Because if everybody's talking about high upside guys, they no longer have any upside. The guys that have upside are the guys that slip. It's all just math." When it comes right down to it, if if we assume that every time a podcast like this one or any of them, the Basketball Monster podcast, Josh Lloyd's show, or the Roto World show, or the Roto Wire show, or the Hashtag show, if any of our podcasts, if we assume every time one of these shows mentions a guy, he gets drafted one slot earlier. If we assume, if we assume any time a premium draft guide mentions someone in a particular vein they get drafted one slot earlier and i'm talking about the buzzy guys now if we assume every time there's a twitter trend on a guy they move one slot earlier well here's the problem at a certain point they no longer can go up we see this all the time we see it all the time I think DeAndre Ayton was actually a really good example of this last year. He was a perfectly reasonable pick. 
in the third round last season. You picked a third-round guy, you got a third-round value. Great. That actually is totally fine. But the problem is, if no one had said anything about him, you probably could have drafted him in the fourth round. Let's simplify this to one very key statement. You guys can yell at me about it, but I think, and with the exception of the first round, obviously, because you can't do what I'm about to say, if you draft someone in each of the first six rounds, well, two through six, that performs one round better than where you drafted them, you will be in the top three in your fantasy league without doing anything else at all. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's a very reasonable take. If you draft a second-round guy, if you take a pick in the second round that turns out to be a late first-rounder, and a guy you draft in the third round turns out to be a second-rounder, same deal for the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. That gives your team two guys, because assume your first-rounder is in the first round as well. You have two first-round values, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth from your first six picks. That's a hard team to beat in any format. Just think about that without even thinking about the last few picks. What if you had two first-round values and a second-round value on your team? Look at last year and pull three names, pull two names out of the top 12 and one name out of the next 12 and put them on your fantasy team, and you're thinking, I've got myself a juggernaut. Two names in the top 12. What if you had Giannis... And Vooch, I'm trying to pick the, the, the lamest ones I can think of here. I mean, let's, let's not talk about end of the first round. That's, if you had two guys at the end of the first round, it's sort of a different bird. Uh, what if you had 11, 12, and 13? Vooch, Lillard, and Jokic on your team last year. Wouldn't people look at your team and think, holy bleep, Jokic, Lillard, and Vooch? And that's not even considering the fact that now... Your fourth-round pick is a third-round value. So let's say in the fourth round last year, you got Mike Conley. He's a third-round value last year. So now you got Lillard, Conley, Vooch, and Jokic in your first four picks? That sounds crazy, right? What if in the fifth round, you ended up with a fourth-round value? Let's say you got... Oh, geez, who fits into that mold? Who got drafted in the fifth round that ended up in the fourth last year? I actually don't see anybody. Uh, Brooke Lopez, who you probably drafted in the sixth or seventh, and he was a fourth. He was a fourth round value last year, or better. This is all you have to do, because as I say these names, your first five players last year were Vooch, Lillard, Jokic. Who the hell did I say after that? Mike Conley, and uh, let's say Tobias Harris. That's your first five guys last year. If I just told you you had those five guys on your team, you'd say there's no effing way that I could accumulate those on draft day. But you'd be wrong. All you have to do is get a guy at least one round better. Now, Vooch was a bad example because he was often drafted in the fifth round. I'm saying you're taking him in the second round in this scenario. (laughs) Right? Or third round. You want to change the names? I don't care. You get Jokic in the first. Uh, let's see. You took uh, Jimmy Butler. It doesn't matter. We don't actually need an example that we built exactly off of last year. Kyrie Irving. Kawhi Leonard. A lot of these guys were drafted in the second round. All I'm saying is look at the results from last year. Pick any two guys from the first round, one from the second and one from the third. And let's say you could end up with those four guys on draft day. Wouldn't you feel pretty good about it? That's all we're trying to do. It boils down to that one key notion, and that is if you can get a guy one round above where you draft him in every round, you will probably win your league. And I think most people overlook that because everybody's trying to shoot the moon. They get one guy in the sixth round that turns out to be a third-round value, and they are pleased as punch But in between there, they've got a fourth, a fifth, a seventh round pick that all stink. It's not worth it. I can promise you this. It's just as good. Maybe this is a good way to think of it, actually. If your fourth becomes a third, and your fifth becomes a fourth, 
when your sixth becomes a fifth, then you have a third, a fourth, and a fifth from those three departments. But if you swing for the fences in all three of those categories, and your fourth becomes a seventh, and your fifth becomes an eighth, and your sixth becomes a third, well, then you have a third, a seventh, and an eighth instead of a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Sure, you may have hit. Your seventh round pick might be better in that second example than in your first, but the amalgam of all of those picks is worse. And that's where we'll put a pin in this discussion. Until tomorrow, assuming the internet works, we'll be talking to Coach about Team USA's defeat. The World Cup, the FIBA champs, they are not. As they head back stateside and the tournament continues, we'll also be talking about his next episode of DFS Today with Mike Patria. That's coming up on tomorrow's episode of Fantasy NBA Today. And we'll talk to Adrian to round out the week on Friday. Again, this is all assuming that the stupid internet works. Damn it. Please do send me a note if you'd like to join our Hoop Ball League. Still getting a bunch of requests every day. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you want to hit me up on Twitter and get in a Hoop Ball League, that's one way to do it. Again, Dan, that's an easy first name. Last name, Bespris, that's Bravo. E-S as in Sam. Bravo again, R-I-S as in Sam. Shoot me a note. I'll get you placed. We've got Roto head-to-head, $50 and free leagues. If you don't have Twitter, post in the HoopBall forums, hoop-ball.com. Click on the forums tab. Just start a thread. It says, hey, Dan, I want to be in a league. I'll find it. I see all of those every day. I monitor every thread that comes through HoopBall. I can get you added to leagues that way as well. We have 12 leagues open right now. And every time one fills up and another person says, I want to join, we will open up number 13. So don't worry. Uh, slow drafts on those will start in about three weeks. So you still have a little bit of time, but obviously the sooner the better, because if we get really close to that cutoff and all the, t- the leagues are at 12 teams and two people ask to join, yeah, we'll probably have to say that's a no-go. So the sooner the better on all of that stuff. Again, at Dan Baspris. Check out all of our other podcasts, DFS Today, new episode coming out tomorrow. Uh, and this one, of course, if you're okay with the fact that I rant and rave about my busted internet, please do drop a five-star review on the show. This is that time of year where we really need you guys, especially the folks that are tuning in for the first time. Subscribe to the show. That helps push it up the iTunes leaderboard. Rate and review the show. That helps push it up the leaderboard as well. That's how more people can find us. We can do more things as we gain more advertisers and listeners, and that's how we keep this thing free forever. Thank you, thank you, thank you in advance to all of you that do. I am Dan Bespris. And for Brandon Marcus, by the way, who got aced out of this one, he's BD Marcus on Twitter. Check him out as well. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. Sorry the show's coming out a tiny bit late. Hope you understand. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.